Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. All right, hey, Lake Point family, great to be all together uh, again. And once again, I'm super grateful for the technology that enables us to uh, do this. So a big, big shout out to the team that worked so hard uh, to make this uh, uh, possible. So, so grateful for them. And it's cool the way this is working, like all over the country and the world, for, for, for that matter. I had a guy not long ago come up to me and said, hey, I think I'm going to write a book called I Met Jesus in My Underwear. Uh, what? He goes, yeah, I was watching online, man, sitting on the other. So it's happening all over the place. And if that's where you are right now, we're not going to envision you sitting there like that. But so glad that you did uh, join us today for, for, for church. And uh, hey, I brought my backpack with me today. This is uh, my, uh, I call it my backpack of failures. I, I, I carry it around all the time. And I got a bunch of stuff in here. See what I got. A few, I'll show you a few things. Like this, I've had this forever. This was my first grade spelling final. I've, I've kept that. Uh, this is the, uh, that's the baseball that I let go through my legs to allow the winning run to cross the plate. I kept that. This is the, that's the first sermon I ever turned in in seminary. Oh, there's last week's in there too. Uh, I mean, come on. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Can we do a little survey? Um, and, and, and raise your hand if any of this applies to you. Uh, and please wait till I'm completely done to raise your hand. Uh, but if you've ever, you can raise your hand at home as well. If you've ever flunked a class or bombed a test, got cut from a team, really messed up an audition, got rejected for a date, zoned out during a job interview, got fired for a little goof up or a medium mishap or a huge mistake, or your business didn't go the way you dreamed, or you lost your cool with a three-year-old, if you've ever experienced a moral, social, athletic, academic, relational, financial, marital, or vocational failure of any kind, just raise your hand right now. Oh, you bunch of losers. Of course, I'm kidding, man. Truth is, no matter how good all of us look, every one of us is in the same boat. All of us have wrestled with some degree with failure and, and regret, and, and we keep them stuffed away, don't we? And, we? and we carry them around with us all through life. Well, the good news is, there is this perfect God who gives hope to failures like you and me. And the hope that he gives is not just like wishful thinking hope. It's a fresh start, clean slate, second chance, rise up from the ashes kind of hope that he gives. You know, I've, I've thought about this for years, how there's so many things that get overrated in life, right? I mean, teams get overrated, uh, uh, restaurants, some restaurants get overrated. Someone will tell you about a great movie they saw and you went and see it and you go, ah, it's okay. A lot of things get overrated. Cars get overrated, vacation destinations. There's a lot of things in this life that are overrated. Hope's not one of them. 
There's nothing quite like hope. I mean, when you're trapped in like a tunnel of misery, it's hope that points you to the light at the end. When we're overworked and exhausted, it's hope that gives us fresh energy. When we're tempted to quit, it's hope that keeps us going. When we lose our way and confusion blurs the destination, it's, it's hope that dulls the panic. When we struggle with a lingering uh, illness or a crippling disease, it's hope that helps us push past the pain. When we're forced to sit back and just wait, it's hope that gives us patience. When we fear the worst, it's hope that reminds us that God is still in control. When we have to say our final farewell to someone we love, it's hope that gets us through our grief. When we're scared about our future, it's hope that gives us courage to take the next step. And when we fail, when we fail, it's hope that picks us up. There's a lot of things in this life that are overrated. Hope's not one of them. Now, as you might imagine, the Bible is full of hope, and the Bible is also full of failures that needed hope. I mean, page after page after page of people like you and me. I'm talking strong people who blew it, courageous people who wilted under pressure, faithful people who at times were less than faithful. Talking about people who wrecked relationships and cheated their families and dishonored their friends and really, really disappointed God. People who thought they were washed up, had gone too far, had really done it this time, were never going to recover from this. People like us. There's this guy. His name was, was Peter. Some of you have heard of him. His name was actually Simon. Jesus gave him the name Peter, which was Petros, which means the rock or Rocky. Before there was Dwayne Johnson or Sylvester Stallone, there was Petros. And everything we know about this professional fisherman suggests that he was a man of great strength, a big, broad shoulder guy, calloused hands, outdoor face, rugged and ripped. I mean, just picture Steve Stroop with sandals. Just, just, maybe not, maybe, maybe not. But Peter was a really good guy with a really good heart, but he was also impulsive, loud, strong-willed, opinionated, and usually the first one to speak up and declare that opinion. On one occasion, Jesus asked his 12 closest followers, hey guys, people are saying all kinds of stuff about me. Uh, Who do you say that I am? And Peter doesn't conduct like an opinion poll. He doesn't, you know, get a focus group together. He just stands up and blurts out, well, you're the Christ. You're the the Messiah. You're you're the the son of the living God. And Jesus just kind of smiles and says, oh, settle down, Rocky. (laughs) You are so blessed. And you know what? On the rock solid truth of what you just said, I'm going to build my church. Peter was strong, he was committed, he was courageous, he was loyal. At least he thought he was. Some of you know the story, right? Jesus and the guys just finished their last meal together in the upper room, then minus Judas. They go out to a place called the Mount of Olives, and it's there Jesus turns to the remaining 11 disciples and says, you know what, guys? This very night, all of you are gonna fall away on account of what's gonna happen to me here. And Peter, in his prideful self-confidence, thumps his chest and says, not a chance, Even if all fall away, I will not run. I will not bail on you. These other guys might because they're weak. But me, I'm I'm, I'm the rock. You gave me that name yourself. And Jesus looks back at Peter and says, really, here's the truth. This very night before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. You'll have a chance to stand up for me. And you're even going to lie about knowing me. And Peter says, "There's there's no way. Even if I had to die for you, I would never, ever disown you. 
You know, I think the toughest failures to get over in life are the ones we privately declare would never happen to us. That's why I think 1 Corinthians 10, 12 from the message is such a good reminder. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. It's just saying if you think you're so strong, that you, you, would, you would never fall. You, you would never blow it. You would never break your marriage vows. You would never make a shady business deal. You would never disappoint your kids. You would never lie to your parents to cover your tracks. You would, you would never turn your back on a friend. You would never take a spiritual nosedive. It's just saying you're just being naive. And in your prideful self-confidence, you are in more danger than those who believe all of that actually is possible. That's what makes the Titanic one of the most famous failures in history. The visionaries, creators, engineers, architects of this incredible luxury liner were certain that this was one ship that would never sink. Its 26,000 ton hull was believed to be indestructible. As it left port for its fateful voyage, a passenger, Mrs. Albert Caldwell, asked a deckhand, is this ship really unsinkable? The crew member fired back, lady, God himself couldn't sink this ship. So nobody imagined on its maiden voyage, this unsinkable ship plunged to the bottom of the North Atlantic at 2.20 a.m. on April 15, 1912, taking 1,500 passengers and crew to their death. The most staggering failures in life are the ones you thought would never, never happen to the unsinkable you. And when they do, you're kind of left to wonder if you'll ever resurface again. And that's how we find Peter after the crucifixion of Jesus. In John chapter 1, we find him on a boat, not on a luxury liner in the North Atlantic, a small fishing boat, Sea of Tiberias. And the boat itself is very stable. He's the one who's sinking, like drowning in a sea of, of regret. He's probably replaying that night over and over in his mind, asking himself, how could I have done that? And again, some of you know the story how Peter makes this boast about being courageous and loyal, unsinkable in his devotion to Jesus. I, will, I would never dis, disown you. And on that night, Jesus was arrested and he's led away to stand trial before the high priest Caiaphas. Peter follows from a distance and sits down to warm himself around a fire in Caiaphas's courtyard. He's in a crowd of people. He's just trying to lay low. And somebody says, hey, I recognize you. You're like, you're with that guy. You're one of his followers. And Peter goes, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never, never seen a guy in my life. And I'm say, yeah, I know you. I saw you too. In fact, you're, you're from Galilee. Your, your accent gives you away. You, you were with them. Another one says, yeah, yeah, you were, you were with him. And Peter, Peter starts to curse, and he starts to scream. He goes, I don't know the man. And a rooster crows. Luke 22 simply says, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Imagine what that scene must have been like. Peter runs away, collapses in a pile of shame, and just cries his heart out. The once proud, indestructible, unsinkable Peter is a failure. No longer bold, no longer committed, no longer loyal, not even rem being remotely close to being an I will die for you kind of friend. And I'm just guessing as he floats in that little fishing boat, every time he closes his eyes, he sees that moment. Standing around that fire, looking through the smoke into the eyes of his best friend, Jesus. And he feels so worthless forever trash, can't get it out of his mind, 
if he could only do it over. And as he floats there in this water of regret, he is sinking fast. I mean, he's almost to the bottom. Can you guys relate to any of this? Because I think every one of us have floated in a boat called failure. Some of you might be like riding in it right now. And you feel sunk and deflated and ashamed and embarrassed and wonder if you will ever resurface again. And you're thinking, you know what? I have ruined everything. I've destroyed my relationship with my spouse. I've gambled away our savings. My addictions have cost me my career. My kids may never speak to me again. My folks will never trust me now. I've betrayed my best friend. I have really broken God's heart. How can I ever resurface from my failures and find renewed hope and purpose? Is there a way to rise above my embarrassment and my guilt and my regret and my, and my shame? Well, looking at the experience of Peter, I think there's at least three things that God does right. And I think they're the same things for any of us who need to resurface and find some renewed hope for our life. And the first one is this. He owned his stuff. That's the first thing he did right. He owned his stuff. He owned it. He admitted it. And he was broken by what he did. I mean, look, look what it says in, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 75. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. There's a couple of things in, in, in there. It says he remembered the word Jesus had spoken. In this moment, he's thinking, you know what? Jesus was right. I was wrong. I said I'd never fall. He said I would. He was right. I was wrong. Have you guys discovered the amazing freedom in those three little words? I was wrong. It says in Proverbs 28, verse 13, a man or a woman who refuses to admit their mistakes can never be successful. But if they confess and forsake them, they get another chance. Peter owned his stuff. He admitted his failure and was broken by it. And the once proud rock was reduced to a pile of rubble and he goes out and he weeps bitterly. You know, I've learned there's a big difference between being broken and being miserable. I was talking to a really sweet lady after a church service one time who began to tell me about her 23-year-old son who was abusing drugs. And she told me about his journey and how he would come home and cry and then, he said, then she said, and then he continues to rob from me and lie to me and con me and use me. And then she cried and she said, he is so broken. And I hugged her and I replied, I, I hope he gets there. But right now, he's not broken. He's just miserable. You see, there, there's, a, there's a difference in being really sorry that you got caught or being absolutely miserable that you're having to live with the consequences of what you did. Or you can just like drop your pride and humble yourself, be genuinely remorseful and ask the God of grace and somebody else to help you. And when you do that, guess what happens? Hope starts to rise. Peter was absolutely broken. There's another thing he does, and it's kind of subtle, kind of between the lines, but it was so healthy and so wise for any of us who fall. He stayed in the group. He stayed in the group. When we find him in the boat, he's not alone. 
It says in John 21 that Thomas, Nathaniel, James, John, a couple other disciples were there. Peter just says, I'm going fishing. We all go back to what we knew before, right? He said, I'm just going fishing. They go, we'll go with you. So the seven of these guys, they go out fishing that night, and they catch absolutely nothing. But at least they're together. Just good friends. In fact, after Peter admits his failure and weeps bitterly about it, you know where we find him next? Right back in the group. He's hiding out in an upper room with the rest of the guys. By the way, Jesus was right about them too. They all would shrink back. They all would fall away that night. And now Peter's back on this fishing team with these guys, and he knew that all of them were really in the same boat, so to speak. And you know what? We all just admitted we're all in the same boat too, right? I think we all raised our hands, right? It's amazing how most of us are like the rest of us. That's why I love places like this. There's no perfect people allowed. And it's a wonderfully healing thing to surround yourself with good people who know that they have failures too, that they got junk too. There's power in the group. Stay in the group. I will sometimes run into people I haven't seen in the church service in a while. I'll say, hey, I missed you. Where you been? Oh, I've been going through some really hard things. Yeah, so where you been? Don't ever let failure isolate you. Stay in the group. A lot, of, a lot of people are going to think, well, after what I've done, there's just no way. There's no way I could show my face around there again. No, you're wrong. We're all in the same boat. Stay in the group. Well, I have no place in the worship service after all the things I've done. No, no. Stay in the group. Well, I'm too embarrassed. I'm too ashamed. No, no, no. You stay in the group. Well, my friends, they won't accept me now. Then they aren't your true friends. You stay in the group because there's healing in the group. It says in Ecclesiastes 4.10, 4, and many of you have seen this verse before, it says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall, oh man, they're in real trouble. Stay in the group. I like the way the message puts Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 3. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you're too good for that, you're badly deceived. Because we all fall down. Stay in the group. One more thing that Peter did right. Anybody who wants to resurface and find the kind of hope that I'm talking about must do as well. He dove in and swam toward Jesus. He dove in and swam toward Jesus. Here's the scene. I, I would love to see this like in a movie. Peter, he's floating in this boat with his buddies. They're about 100 yards offshore. It's around sunrise. And they see this dimly lit figure on the shore. He's kind of building a breakfast fire. And the guy on the beach shouts out to them, Hey, you guys caught any fish? Which is a bad question to ask any fisherman, <laughs> especially when they haven't caught any fish. And they go, Oh, not really. He goes, hey, throw, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And they do. And their nets get so full, they start to break. And John is the one who remembers the same thing happening three years prior. And he yells out, 
it's the Lord. And before he can even get Lord out of his mouth, Peter jumps overboard and starts swimming toward Jesus. And in jumping out of that boat, I think he was saying, man, I've thought about this long enough. I've let this eat me up long enough. I'm tired of feeling like this. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I'm miserable in my self-perceived uselessness. I'm ready to let go of my failures. I need a second chance. I'm ready to leave my past behind and just swim to Jesus. And I would love to have a picture. I would love to have a picture painted of Peter standing there ankle deep in that water, chest just heaving because he's swimming so fast, water dripping from his hair and his beard, standing by this charcoal fire, looking through the smoke this time to lock eyes with forgiveness. Let me remind you whose eyes Peter was looking into. He was looking into the same eyes of the friend he had betrayed just a few days earlier. He was looking into the eyes of a man whose forehead still bore the puncture marks from a crown of thorns. Peter was looking into the eyes of a man whose hands and feet still bore reminders of the spikes that held him to a Roman cross. Peter was looking into the eyes of the one who had died on that cross as a substitute for his sins and his failure. And on this beach, on this new day, around this new fire, he was looking into the hope-filled eyes of the resurrected Jesus. And as they lock eyes, Jesus asking Peter, you love me? Peter responds, you know I do. You know how many times Jesus asked him this? Yeah, three times, right? Same number of times he denied knowing Jesus around that other fire. And the first time Jesus asked him, do you love me? The word used there for love is that word agape, which talks about you know, a God-like, unconditional love. And Peter comes back with the word phileo. And I think what he's saying is, no, I can't do it. I can't do that one. I'm not, I'm not gonna make that boastful claim again like I did in, in, in the Mount of Olives because I, I can't, I'm not capable of that. But I, can, but I can love you with a brotherly love. I'll love you like a brother. Yeah, I love you. Imperfect as it might be, but I, I love you. And Jesus says, well, if you love me, I want to use you to change this world. Peter, you might have flamed out and failed, but I died and rose so that those failures could be forgotten. And Peter, I still believe in you. And with those words, Peter resurfaced. And this colossal failure became one of the greatest success stories in history. With incredible courage and humility, he helped launch the church of Jesus Christ and spread it around the world. This guy who thought God was absolutely through with him went on to become one of the biggest difference makers who ever walked this planet. Lake Point is here today because of men and women like him. I want you to check out this scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Did you catch who wrote that? An old fisherman named Peter. The guy who dove in and swam to Jesus, who looked into the eyes of forgiveness, who looked into the eyes of mercy, into the eyes of the God of second chances. And like me and like so many of you, he looked into the eyes of hope. You see, there's a lot of things in this world that are overrated. Hope's not one of them. And I just think that God might be saying to you today, 
There's hope for everyone. You, not, you might not believe in me, but man, I, I believe in you. You may have given up on me, but I have not given up on you. And by the way, get rid of that backpack. Your failures don't have to define you. Let my love do that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your unfailing love. Thanks for second, third, fourth, fifth, unlimited chances. Your grace is just amazing. And uh, Jesus, thank you that you look at us with eyes of love and you give us hope that we never thought we could have. And hope of eternal life, hope of being forgiven, hope of becoming a difference maker, hope of just having a new set of friends and a new world perspective. It's just hope that keeps us alive and so grateful that you are the source of that hope. And Father, it's my prayer that everyone who is, is hanging with us today would know there's hope for everyone, that there's nothing that anybody has done that has gone too far where God can't find them because he's always looking. He's always pursuing us and he always wants to pull us back into his unfailing love. And, and I pray that today, maybe if that's you, just let him love you. Let him look you in the eyes and say, I'm not done with you. I forgive you. I love you. I want to use you. Father, I pray that today a whole lot of regret and a whole lot of guilt and shame will be released. And we'll just know forgiveness and freedom. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.